A sports camp that happens every summer, you've already heard a report about, uh, cannot happen without a lot of volunteers. We had a a 14-member uh, team from a church in Texas come to help support the camp, paying their own way, and uh, we're so grateful for them. But many of you, over 20 people just from our church alone, helped in a lot of different ways, providing snacks, being out on the field coaching. We had about half a dozen of our youth helping. If you helped with sports camp, would you stand up? We'd like to just uh, say thank you to you. Thank you. And Jeannie uh, worked uh, untold extra hours after camp in the afternoons uh, with all the registration and administration. Thank you. And Monica was thrown into the fire. Um, was asked to do some things she had never done before, and she got us uh, going. It was it was really great. So we're grateful. Uh, it's good to do ministry together. Ministry has to be shared. It's intended to be so. Um, because God is the one who gets the credit for things that happen and not any individual. And, um, and it's just good. It's good to share the load of things together. So thank you. And we're looking forward to our Feeding Those Who Feed Us ministry and uh, all the different people that uh, will be involved with that. I once, uh, some time ago, uh, entered a hospital room to visit a member of our church, and I was so overjoyed to find that that person's deacon had already arrived before me and was laughing and talking and had already prayed with the person. And, and I thought, wow, this is really good for a church to function like this. Someone uh, recently approached me to brag on one of our deacons for the thoughtful cards that uh, she always writes, and regularly so. I once overheard one of our members discussing how much it meant to, uh, that his deacon came and prayed with him during a really difficult time in his life. I was blessed recently to learn that a deacon, after someone had a surgery, had arranged meal delivery for them. And I could go on and on sharing examples, but these examples prove the point of why deacon ministry is so important and the way in which and through uh, it, God ministers to His people. This is why we have deacons. It's to serve the needs of other people. And to meet them where they are, it's to, to be an extension of God's work. And we're reminded, just like with sports camp or any other ministry, that it's not a pastoral staff or any particular super saints, however you might want to describe them, who, who do the ministry and do the work of God. It's everyday people like us that God somehow equips and encourages and calls and allows us the opportunity and the ability to serve Him and we're uh, introduced to deacon ministry in Acts chapter 6. We're going to spend some time today talking about deacons. We're going to just take a little detour out of our ongoing series about the church covenant. And as we think about preparing ourselves to ask God, who is it that you would be calling out for this next season of deacon ministry out of our church and to be um, hopefully a good starting point for praying about it and thinking about it. So open your Bibles, would you, to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, a bit of context for where we dive in to this passage is that uh, in chapter 5 leading up to chapter 6, the apostles had gone through some persecution. In fact, they had been called in in front of the religious leaders of their area of the world, and they were told, they were threatened, they were warned not to talk about Jesus anymore. You're not to go out. In fact, they were beaten, and they said, do not do this anymore or worse will happen to you. Do you think they listened? <laughs> Aren't you glad they didn't listen? 
because we benefit from their ongoing work. In fact, one of the, the religious leaders stood up and he said, Now, guys, listen, there have been other people who have been really popular, who have gathered and garnered a following, but when that leader died, guess what happened to the, those followers? They dissipated and nothing came of that movement. And if Jesus... Now, the book of Acts, uh, I like to think about it as it's the church and men and women are now figuring out how do we be a church without the physical presence of Jesus with us? Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's back at the right hand of the Father. And now they're work, learning to work with His spiritual presence with them, the Holy Spirit's guidance. How do we be a church? And this man stood up at that council in chapter 5 of Acts and he says, Look, he says, there have been other people in our recent past who have garnered followings, and when the leader died, the, the, the movement dissipates and comes to nothing. And the same will happen once now that Jesus has died, that if this movement is not of God, it will also dissipate. But if it is of God, then we can't stop it anyway. And so when Acts chapter 6 opens, we see a church that is growing. A church that's not diminishing, but thriving. A church that is learning to get its footing, and knowing now, and learning and growing, and how do we be a church? What does it mean to exercise the gifts of God's Spirit in the world? And of course, when growth comes, growing pains also come. We're going to find that there's a problem, an issue, where uh, it was a, a cultural issue for them. They um, they came along and uh, they were looking at what uh, these Hellenists were, were here. Uh, Hellenists were Greek believers. There were kind of in that early church two groups of believers in the church. There were people from a Jewish background and those from more of a Greek uh, Hellenistic background. And um, they were learning how they are to uh, come together and worship and to be a church together and wondering if that's even possible. And so an issue arose. You have these widows. There weren't big government assistant programs back in the day. And so um, if, if you were a woman in the day and you, your husband died, you had a really hard time finding your way through the world and you needed the help of your family and the help of your community and others to come along. And so there were widows from the, the Jewish background believers and widows from the Greek background believers. And those from the Greek background believers uh, felt like they weren't, or they, they weren't just being supported in the same way that the Jewish widows were. And so they, uh, they brought this issue to the church, and the issue was resolved by providing a group of people, deacons, who would serve the needs, the physical needs, and meet a spiritual reality in the church. What's interesting about the names mentioned is that they're all Hellenistic names, and that's a really interesting aspect of meeting the particular need. Um, and at the end, harmony resulted... And through that harmony, the church grew even more. So let's read Acts chapter 6. What a great passage. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God, in order to wait on tables, brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, 
Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Living God, we thank You for Your Word that is alive and active, and we pray this day that You would be pleased to come and stir our hearts, that You would unlock our ears and help us to hear and to do and to respond as You would guide us. Lead us, we pray. We need You. In Jesus' name, we ask it together. Amen. Amen. So what are some of the qualities that uh, that early church looked for in deacons? Well, in verse 3, it really gives a, a lot of insights. It describes as choosing people out from among that particular community of faith. From among you, it says. Go and choose people from among you. They are people who were prepared, but they're not pros. You know what I mean? They're everyday people. They didn't go and hire a headhunting firm to search for the best deacons across the country to come and serve this particular need. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And sometimes it can feel like, gosh, if, if I'm asked to serve in a particular capacity in the church, I, I don't feel perhaps prepared, or uh, I haven't had the education that someone else has, or whatever it might be. And I want you to know that these were just everyday people who were called into this particular service, and they trusted that if God had called them, that God was going to continue to fill and continue to fill the gaps of their life and to continue to prepare them for the ministry to which they had been designated for this moment and this season. It was lay ministry. That's what deacon ministry is all about. They were to be people um, of good standing. And it's interesting the way that uh, little phrase is translated in different English Bibles. Um, in the English Standard Version, it describes them as being people of good repute. Uh, when I was growing up, one of my favorite restaurants, I only went to it twice in all my life, and then it closed, probably because I didn't go enough. I've always blamed myself. But Molly Murphy's uh, was what it was called, and I, I just have a child's perspective of Molly Murphy's, but the tagline, so you'd pull up, and it was in a city about 90 miles from us, so it was really a big special deal for us to go. And I uh, would pull up, and the sign was Molly Murphy's, House of Fine Repute. I still remember asking my mom, I was like, Mom, what, what does repute I mean, you know, as a kid, I was thinking, puke, restaurant, what, what is repute? I don't, I don't understand. And so she explained it to me, it means reputation. I was like, oh, okay, I still don't quite understand what it means. But you'd walk in, it was like Halloween, not, not Halloween decor, but all of the wait staff were always dressed in costumes. I still remember um, one, my waitress once, I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old, and she had this striped jail outfit, and her nickname was Jailbait, and they they had other, other people that were always just dressed in different ways, and, and it was just a fun place. I loved it from a child's memory, and I, I asked one day, I said, I said, can you show me where the bathroom is? Big mistake. Because I said, sure, I'll be right back. I was like, okay. And so they come back, and they put a helmet on my head that has a, a big flashing light. <laughs> And uh, she grabs me by the hand, and she has a pail in her other hand, and she parades me through the restaurant. And she says, we're going to the bathroom. Anybody else need to go? Come on. And a couple others jumped up, and we all went to the bathroom. It was like a bathroom train. And I'm not sure Molly Murphy's was a fine repute. 
I think the sign lied. I don't know, but I sure enjoyed it as a kid. Part of what people were looking for in the early church were those who, within the church community, had a good repute. They, um, the Bible says, uh, describes them as people who are in good standing. The New Living Translation says, well-respected. People who are well-respected among the community of faith. People, uh, the Message Translation uh, says it this way, those who everyone trusts. So when we're thinking about deacons, and every year we come up to this, about a third of our deacons rotate off, and, and we ask a, a new uh, a group to, to come and join the other two-thirds. And so we do this every year. And so part of what we want to do is just center our thinking into to what, what we are doing with thinking about deacons, to think about those who are trust, trusted in the congregation, those who are demonstrated a, a respectability uh, with others. They're also described as those who are full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. People who were God-honoring in their lives. People who, who had Jesus-centered, devoted lives. Not perfect in every way, but they were full of the Holy Spirit. Where you, you, When you thought of them, you could see evidence of God's Spirit at work in them. You, you, you saw somebody whose prayer life was active and rich. You, you knew them as somebody who, who was spiritually growing, not, not static and the, sta- the same all the time, but, but there was a growth trajectory in their life. And it was, it was evident. They're, they're people who are tender to the matters that matter to God. And there's a tenderness to them and a responsiveness to God's movement in them. They're full of the Holy Spirit. doesn't necessarily mean they could go over and zap something and make a miracle happen. That's not what that means. But they're spiritually sensitive and, and it's evident in their life. And then it describes those who are full of wisdom. Wisdom, that's the Bible's key word for applied knowledge. You know, it's, it's one thing to have somebody who, who has a lot of a big breadth and depth of Bible knowledge... But it doesn't always translate into their life. A wise person knows how to take biblical knowledge and turn it into practical use in their life. There are people who know how to to manage their their home life and their finances, and, and they can just take the principles of God and they make them work in their life. That's wisdom. They're full of wisdom. They know how to interact with others well. Not perfectly. But they know how to to go and and work through things. It's knowledge put to good use in the the regularities of life. Their life, when you think about their life, it demonstrates good decision-making and the ability to put into practice that which God teaches. If we had time this morning, we might open to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And there's another list of things that describes what a deacon should be. It, and there it describes in some similar words and some additional things. It describes them as people worthy of respect, right? Good repute and trusted. It describes their deacons are to be people who are sincere. There, there's not a falseness in them. It's just kind of what you see is what you get. You don't hear one thing and see something else. There's, there's a sincerity about the way they go about their life, the way they interact with others. They're people who are not given to drunkenness. They don't see the bottom of very many bottles in their life. It's just not a habit that they have or something that has control over them. 
They're honest. It describes honest in their finances, not just in their words, but but being able to deal rightly with with the, the basic things of their home life and honest with their finances. And then it describes a deacon as being someone who's grounded just in the basic stuff of Christian teaching, the basic Christian principles of life and Christian living. Does this sound like a big big order? <laughs> I don't think it is, honestly. I think that's almost the blueprint for Christian life that ought to be described for our living. My hope is not to, to say to point out that th- this is the super Christian who is ready to be a deacon. This is the list. That this is really what Christian living is about. And if this is the life that we're to live, maybe a lot more of us are ready to be deacons. This is kind of the basic stuff, I think, of the Christian demand and joy and wonder of Christian life. But these are the things, kind of minimum characteristics for a deacon. So if these things are true of deacons, and deacons are called to serve in a church, then what is the result of deacon ministry? Well... Number one is it uncorks God's work. When I uh, lived in France, I, I didn't drive a ton uh, through the country, but there were times I would go into Paris, and, and I learned what the, the French word bouchon means. It means cork. And you put a cork in a bottle. Why? Because when you turn the bottle upside down, what do you not want to happen? You don't want it to move, right? You want everything to stay put. Well, they would describe traffic jams as a bouchon. It was a cork. And it's such a descriptive, like, somebody put a cork right in the road and the traffic's not moving. And it was so good when the traffic began to flow again. It's like that cork had been popped out and things were flowing. Well, that's a lot of what deacon ministry allows the church to do. Is it uncorks the work of God and it distributes in a um, a very clear way the work of God. Because it's not the work of a church staff or a pastor. It's the work of us together, of serving each other, of letting God work in us. It allows the the gifts of God's Spirit to be on display. Because at the end of the day, again, it's not about any one person or even one group getting credit. It's about who gets the credit. God gets the credit. God always gets the credit. We may thank people, and we should, probably more so in this church, thanking those who have served and served well. But it's God who gets the credit. It's God that we turn the spotlight up to, and it's Him. It's not that we we flaunt particular gifts or anything else. It's so that God can be glorified through it and the labor can be shared. Sometimes it's a deacon who is the very first to know about a crisis in another person's life. Sometimes it's a deacon who is the very first to be praying for a health need or the loss of a job in a member's life or a family struggle or, or knowing that, gosh, this person really seems lonely right now. I love uh, hearing Maggie uh, came and did some training for our deacons um, uh, recently, and uh, a year or so ago. And I love the phrase, and it's been oft repeated, I think, here, but you know, it's just the opportunity as a deacon to bear witness to a life, to just be up close to somebody and to just watch what God is doing in their life. Not from an up high pedestal looking down, but just the joy and the privilege of being 
an observer of what God is doing in display of someone else's life. And what a privilege that is to be so ingrained with other people relationally. That's what deacons get the privilege of being and doing. I love in 1 Timothy chapter 3, at the end of the description of of deacons, here's what it says in verse 13. It says, those, and I'm going to add, those who have served as deacons, those who have served as deacons well, gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. That's pretty good. So what is deacon ministry here in this church? It's, at minimum, these things. It is a ministry of service. It may be taking a meal to somebody after a surgery or helping coordinate some ministry to someone in their particular time of need. It's a ministry of service. It's a ministry of presence. It's like sitting with somebody and listening after they've lost their jobs, surprisingly. And it's being a listening ear, not necessarily offering advice, not necessarily offering um, and just trying to make them feel better, but just being a listening observer and just being present with them in their time of need in that moment. That's the joy and the privilege of deacon ministry. It's a ministry of service. It's a ministry of presence. It's a ministry of prayer. Deacon ministry is an opportunity to, on a Sunday morning, you, you see somebody in your family list, a, a group that's been assigned to you, and, and you find a corner perhaps because you know something's going on in their life, and you just call them aside and say, can we pray for a moment? Because I don't just want to pray for you. There are times when I need to pray with you. And it's not intrusive, and it's not inserting yourself where it's not welcome, but it's inviting uh, the work of God to be known through you. But it's about praying with others, praying for them for sure, and praying with them as the opportunity presents itself. It's a ministry of presence. It's a ministry of prayer. And it is what God desires to do, a ministry of service to us. It's not something in this church that we raise our hand for or sign up for. But if you're asked to serve in the months to come, I just invite you already, I invite all of you to just begin to pray that if you're invited, that you, you would know God's desire for you at that point, that you would already begin evaluating your life and your schedule and asking, is this an area, boy, it seems like a stretch, I don't know. You know what I found in ministry often? Is that God, God puts on clothes on us that are a little too big and we kind of grow into them over time. I find that probably more often than not. That's, that's a, a, an image I have right now about what it means to take a step of faith. Well, sometimes putting a pair of clothes on there, just one size too big, and, and with time and training and trusting that God will, will develop me because He's called me into it, then, then I, I can do it because it's God doing it through me. Right? Here, pull this out, would you? This little insert. Deacon Nominations 2018. Would you just pull out a pen if you can or just make a mental note? Acts chapter 6. I want you to write Acts chapter 6 somewhere on here. You'll have another chance for this. And even if you turn this ballot in down the road, um, if you have some things written in the margins, we're not going to mind. Write Acts chapter 6. Write 1 Timothy chapter 3. Maybe note down Romans chapter 16. And here's what I want to encourage you to do, because this is how I, I want to do this. Is when you take some time to pray in your private prayer life, 
This is a rhetorical question, but how many of you have private prayer lives? Don't, don't raise your hand. It's okay. I'm just teasing. Because if I ask the question, I'm hoping everybody raises two hands. Right? So, in your, your personal time of prayer, here's what I encourage you to do, is to take this list and put it on one side of your lap, and to take your Bible on the other side of your lap, and read through those passages, Acts 6, 1 Timothy 3, Romans 16, and just ask yourself, God... As you've kind of told, shown us what you're expecting out of deacons who serve here, who are the people that you would be calling out, that you might be drawing to my mind? And then begin to pray about it and asking the Lord. And, and my hope is that, that He will provide you several names and several people and you can begin to, to cross-reference the list. And, and if you don't know people well enough in this church to be able to do that, then then our hope is that this might stir as a, an opportunity to say, you know, I've got to find ways of relationally engaging. I, maybe it's the season where I need to connect myself to an adult Bible study class every Sunday, except for July, at 9.40. There are some small groups that meet during the week. There are other ministry opportunities. Wednesday nights, when we'll restart those in the fall, it's a great chance to have some ongoing connections with people. And if you're like, golly, I don't, I don't think I know people well enough to start listing out names, then maybe this is a re-invitation for you to, to more prioritize your life so that you can be in significant relationship here. As we go through the broader series about our church covenant, that's really a lot of what we're talking about is, is being in substantial relationship together. And most of us have to make choices to make that happen. And we'll come back to that in the weeks to come. But we have to arrange our lives to allow that to happen. There are some other things sometimes we have to say no to in order to spend the time we need together to actually have these relationships so that we can begin to see and to understand who are the people that are well-respected and we trust. Who are the people who are full of the Holy Spirit? Who are the people around me in this place who are full of wisdom? So that's my encouragement to you. Take this, hold it on your lap, hold your Bible in your lap, and then pray. Have a pen in hand and begin to jot down some names and then come back to it a few days later and start praying through those names and asking God, are there others? And just kind of work through it that way and just let Him guide you. So that this isn't just, oh, I like this person, and oh, this person seems really nice. and Let's not make it that. Let's collectively seek the Lord in this as we go forward. That's our hope. Sound good? All right. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. And we thank You for Your love. And we thank You that you, You love us. And You equip us in different ways. Not because we need the gifts, but the church needs Your gifts. And so you take each of us as your instruments of grace and you polish us in different ways and you paint different colors on us so that we can be used in your service. So not all of us have the same gifts in the same way. And that's on design. You do it on purpose. And some of us, for these next three years, starting in October, you've, you're going to be stirring hearts and calling them into service as deacons. And... Uh, we ask, God, that Your Spirit would already be active in their life and that You'd be active in us as a congregation to be able to say, yeah, these are the people I'm sensing, God, You are preparing. Not, not professional people, everyday people, but they are being prepared, I sense, by You for this time. 
And then those who are asked, we pray that you would provide wisdom down the road, that you give them a sense of direction and oughtness, that this is something they ought to do. So we just leave it to you, Holy Spirit, that you would guide. Help us to be good listeners. Help us to be good listeners so that we can follow well. We pray it in Jesus' name and for His good and sake. Amen. Amen. As always, we're going to sing our last song together. And as we do that, uh, you're going to be invited. You are invited to come. And maybe you've been wondering about becoming officially a member of the church and you want to take a step toward that. You can come and meet me right here at the front. I'll be waiting for you and we can begin a conversation about what that means. In your bulletin, there's a phone number to the church. You can also call us anytime and we could start that conversation then too. Or maybe there's something else you, you need to do, response before the Lord and before the church that you need to make public today. Uh, you're welcome to do that as we sing. We're going to sing our last song. Would you find your music sheet? Let's stand together and sing.